Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello there, you're watching the Pulse on the Joy News Channel. This afternoon, government is briefing Parliament on the country's plan to contribute troops uh, to an ECOWAS standby force, which is uh, destined for troubled uh, neighbour Niger. But the House is sharply split over constitutional provisions and what the way forward should be. Consultations are going to continue on this matter. This is a very sensitive matter. And since we have a collective agreement that we will not divulge the details at this point. I think that we should go with that. Well, that's your details of that meeting, which ended inconclusively um, today. Also coming up this afternoon, if you are a, a punter or a gambler uh, hoping to win a bet or lottery from today, uh, you have to brace yourself to pay some 10% of all the winnings uh, to government in a withholding tax. When I bet, and then I win, you take 10%, but when I lose, what's going to happen? You're not going to give me any 10%. So it's not being fair. After all, it's my money I invested in the betting. We hear from the Ghana Revenue Authority as uh, that law takes effect today. Also in this package, uh, we'll take a look at the corruption claims at uh, the passport office after the Foreign Affairs uh, Minister made uh, an unannounced visit to the application center. How can 100 Ghana for standard service to acquire a passport and 150 for expedited service bump, be bumped up to 2,000 and 3,000? Yeah, yeah, they don't even charge 2,000 now. They are charging 3,000. To the very latest on that, the polls as always is brought to you by Global Communities Digging Lou, affordable safe sanitation for all. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and also at myjoyonline.com for these and more. I'm blessed to welcome to the program. We'll get your details shortly. Uh, Ghana's military leadership, especially uh, representatives from the ministerial level and the Foreign Affairs uh, Ministry, are uh, this afternoon uh, engaging with some members of Parliament and also Parliament's Defence and Interior uh, Committee, as well as the Foreign Affairs Committee of Parliament over Ghana's deployment of troops to Niger. Ghana is one of the countries that... Uh, uh, last week's uh, ECOWAS meeting, which uh, resolved to impose further sanctions on Niger and also uh, issued an order for the deployment of troops. But there has been 
resistance from both civil society and opposition uh, groups uh, on Ghana's contribution of the uh, troops to the ECOWAS some by force. Now, De- Defence Minister Dominic Nitu and other military leaders, uh, we of course know, were briefed and of course had some engagements uh, today. Um, on Ghana's deployment plans to Niger. Well, I was in Parliament a while ago uh, monitoring that event, and here's, here are excerpts of what transpired uh, moments ago. We're not too sure if that is also part of today's engagement, but um, you can see them filing through and walking into that meeting. So we'll be giving you live updates as and when we have them, but the IGP in your shots now, um, Dr. Kufodampari, they're walking into that meeting. We're not sure what the essence of the meeting is, uh, but we will definitely keep you updated. This is the Joy News Channel, and uh, you saw also the Defence Minister, Dominic Nitu, uh, declining to speak to us after that meeting with the Foreign Affairs and Defence Committee. Uh, we're waiting to see what the official briefing will be uh, from this joint meeting that has been sitting throughout the early parts of today to where we are now. We have the Interior Minister as well, um, also present here in Parliament, and we're waiting to see uh, what the official briefing is. Uh, but if you're joining us now and you're watching us on the Joining Channel, I must update you that Parliament is indeed having a meeting, a uh, meeting with the National Security Minister and also the Defence Minister. What we do know is that um, following President Kufando's decision to also uh, deploy uh, that team, uh, the troop, the Ghanaian troops to join the ECOWAS force. Uh, there's been concern from the ranking of both the Defense and Interior Committee and also um, the Foreign Affairs Committee. The reason for which we had the National Security Minister, the Defense Minister, uh, Deputy um, Foreign Affairs Minister also uh, joining the meeting throughout the day. Um, and what we do know so far is that there's been a concern about some of the constitutional requirements. Let's see if Honorable Andy Apiakubi will say a word. Hello, Honorable. Okay, he's not saying, uh, he's not sharing a word with us. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely be getting some updates shortly. Uh, I guess the agreement among some of the committee members was that uh, the members must desist uh, from making some media comments. As I, I don't know if that's uh, or, or the official arrangement and what they have all come to agree on. But you can see live in your shots that the IGP just walking in a few minutes ago um, to engage the Interior and Defence uh, Committee of Parliament. Uh, there are also representatives from the Foreign Affairs uh, Committee there um, in your shot, as you see on the Joy News channel. Now, we must also indicate at this point, and I see there in my shots the Honourable Samuel Kuchetua Blackwell. Probably uh, we might get a word from him uh, to see what, what the fallouts from that meeting has been. Um, but if you're watching the Joy News channel, we need to update you that the decision by the government of Ghana to opt for what it is that the president has decided on for the ECOWAS meeting is subject now to some discussions here in parliament. Uh, We're waiting for the official briefing, at least if the majority side would not comment, as you've seen in the short, uh, probably we'll get to some uh, members of the minority side to say a few words to us. The Inspector General of Police um, also making uh, an appearance today. We're waiting to see what the outcome of that engagement is. So uh, if you're watching us now and you can see us live on your television, just um, stay with us here on the Join News channel. Uh, We'll bring you some updates shortly. Um, You see some other security chiefs also around. Um, We're waiting to see what what the briefing will be. So there they go in, moving into that briefing. Uh, I'm sure that it's all part of the series of engagements that will be happening as far 
far as uh, as far as this whole stabilization force issue is uh, concerned the concern for some of the mps and i must run you through that throughout the morning has been what the position of the constitution is article 40 of our constitution talking about the fact that in our dealings with other nations the government shall first of all a that's article um, 40 the requirements 40a promote and protect as the constitution is directing the interest of ghana the b also talks about seeking the establishment of a just and equitable international economic and social order then the c which is subject to you know the concern that the mps on the committee have been raising has been about promoting respect for international law treaty and obligation and here's what you need to we need to point you out to the fact that there's need this need for our country to opt for the settlement of international disputes by peaceful means so that has been the concern of the MPs on the committee today. Uh, but the majority side appears to be raising concerns about the need to adhere to the principles uh, enshrined in all the case, the case may be the aims of, first of all, the Charter of the United Nations, also the Charter of the Organization of African Unity, the Commonwealth, and there's also the last provision that the Treaty of the Economic Community of West African States. So there you see it, uh, the ranking member on the Foreign Affairs Committee, Samuel Kujetua Blackwa, walking out of the meeting. Uh, Honorable, you're live on Joy News. Uh, how did the meeting go today? Well, um, we have decided that we will not disclose the content of the discussions and uh, uh, the, the outcome of the of the meeting. Uh, so I'll just uh, say that it's 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 been a good meeting for now. For my monitoring, I see that Article 40 has come up. Legal issues and concerns, as uh, of course your other ranking on this other side, the chairperson of the committee has been raising. Is Article 40 of concern to you as well as the minority? The entire legality that will happen must be of concern to all of us as lawmakers. And uh, at the end of the day, it's about our national interest. Yeah, article, that's anything to go by. Article 73 yes, and right. Article 40 is very clear. Yes. Uh, our national interest must be at the center of any decision. Our national interest. And don't forget Article 40C encourages peaceful resolutions of matters. But if you go so, to D, we, we are to adhere with whatever decision the sub-regional body acquires. So, so, so as I've uh, told you, the matters are very sensitive and delicate, yeah. and, and that's why... But I'm talking about law, because why, that, I, I, I heard that come up yeah. on, on the committee. That this is a matter of law. It will come up strongly at you. As, the as you do know, consultations are going to continue on this matter. This is a very sensitive matter, and since we have a collective agreement that we will not divulge the details at this point. I think that we should go with that. Uh, but as time progresses, I'm sure that we are going to but have... How will you diffuse the legal have, argument? This, have, this is not about a, what transpired, but, but I, we know that so the thank legal you very much. Well, so that's the Honorable Samuel Kujetua Blackwa just walking off in your shots there. Uh, we're still monitoring uh, that development for you here from uh, Parliament House, where, of course, we know that for today, and if you're watching the joining channel, we need to update you that the joint meeting of the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament and also the Foreign Affairs Committee of Parliament just had their meeting, and at that meeting, 
meeting. We had the National Security Minister. We had the Defense Minister, Dominic Nitiu, who you saw in your shots there. He wouldn't comment. He wouldn't speak because the gentleman's agreement, as we understand uh, from Parliament, is that uh, they will not comment on the sensitive issues. And obviously, it borders on the deployment of the military um, to join that ECOWAS force, um, which will be deployed by ECOWAS to stabilize the situation in Niger after the presidential guard toppled the democratically elected president, Mohamed Basum. That meeting lasted for more than an hour today. I must state that the chairpersons of the Defense Committee, the Foreign Affairs Committee, were all present. Uh, the Honorable Patrick Yaobama, they're also declining to make any comment uh, on the meeting today, but we're still waiting to see um, what else will come of this meeting. Uh, just a couple of minutes ago as well, the IGP, the Inspector General of Police, uh, George Akufo-Dampari, also walking into that meeting, uh, will be going there briefly just to, and you can just come along with me as we uh, take you to back to that place where, of course, that meeting is happening, but you heard from uh, the Honorable Samuel Okujeto Ablakwa indicate and point out to you that after today's meeting and the meeting that was held today, the firm decision has been made to tone down on media commentary, but here are joint news. We have picked up that the main concern for these joint committee has been about Article 40 and what the article says about uh, the legality and what the requirements are per our laws. Now, the requirements per the law is that if Article 40 is anything to go by, then it means that the president is helpless in terms of adhering to what the constitutional requirements are. Now, we know that the constitutional requirements will be that we must, of course, opt for whatever decision that ECOWAS has made. There is also the minority position indicating that if you go by Article 40, there is a requirement at C, 40C, which says that Ghana must opt for a resolution of international dispute by a peaceful means. That's what the Article 40 of the, of the Constitution is saying. So that's where the minority stands to say we don't need the deployment of the military force, but the majority also uh, sticking to what 40D points out, the fact that whatever decision the African Union will take, whatever decision the United Nations will take and the ECOWAS will take, we need to abide by that. And what's been the requirements or decision of the African Union? The African Union a couple of days ago um, issued a statement backing and affirming their position that they would stand ready shoulder to shoulder to support the regional body, the sub-regional body ECOWAS, in terms of whatever decision that will be made. So if ECOWAS says they're deploying or activating their standby force, the decision is African Union will go with that. And if we're to translate that to what it is that our um, constitution is talking about, then it indeed means that, of course, uh, we would have to adhere to, to that. So that's what's been happening here um, at the Parliament House. And, of course, we are the West Wing, where, because the decision will be made. We'll be hearing from you know members of the committee shortly who would um, probably speak to the media. The, the gentleman's agreement is not to make a comment, but will still be around giving you the very latest and of updates that you need. Blessed Sogan reporting from Parliament House. Keep you updated. This is our special coverage of that meeting uh, between the Defence uh, Minister, the National Security Minister, and also members of the Defence and Foreign Affairs Committee, live from Parliament. Also, we're asking that question, how uh, should Ghana approach the situation? Uh, we'll bring uh, to uh, you shortly the analysis on this. But first, though, the impact of the crisis is being felt across the Samp region with hundreds of uh, tracks uh, delivering onions uh, to Ghana being blocked at the Benin border. Nanai Aljima of our Foreign Affairs Desk uh, is uh, delving deeper into the matters there.
The Kwaraso Onion Market is the biggest in the Ashanti region. At least 30 trucks, each carting about 330 bags of onions, are offloaded at the beginning of every week. On a typical day at the market, five trucks are offloading onions at the market. Truck driver Mohammed Salisu was stranded carting onions on the border for a week. He says it took intervention of Ghana's embassy to the landlocked country to get access for the trucks bound for Ghana. Obio 11, 10, Missouri and Ukraine, one week, some trucks have been on the border for 10 to 12 days. I stayed there for just a week. We had to call the Ghana ambassador's office, who sent a delegation to the border. The ambassador also came the following day to resolve the issue. Mumuni Abdullahi, who was bound for Niger, had to divert his route to Nigeria to get onions after being stranded at the Benin borders for days. We spent days on the border, so we had to change our destination to Nigeria to get some onions. Video footage available to join news shows hundreds of tracks carting onions stranded at the border. The content of the tracks are already rotten away. Some of the tracks are floating the onions for local traders. About 100 trucks expected to deliver onions to the Kwadaso market are locked up in Niger for many days. Each truck is transporting at least 300 bags of onions at the cost of 1,500 CDs each. An estimated 45 million cities worth of onions remain locked up at the border. For fear of terrorist activities at the Niger-Burkina Faso borders, the route is not an option for the truck drivers. Mohammed Amidu, early morning, received 350 bags of onions he had imported. After opening the sacks, most of them were rotten, forcing him to sell the little he could salvage for 200 CDs per bag instead of 1,500 CDs. We can't do anything. We look up to God now. I will have to search for a loan to help me get back into business. If I don't get a loan, we thank God. Many importers at the onion market count their loss. Mumuni Alabila has two tracks of onions locked up in Niger. It is unclear when these tracks will get to cross the border. He wants the ECOWAS to find a solution to the present situation. We, the, the, the onion trailers, we are get a bank loan and doing our business. When the cars block over there, 
it affected us more. So as now we don't know what we are going to do. We are appealing the government to do what she will do and get our goods to come. Some of our goods, it's fall over there, about two years now. So when we are here, some of our, some of us, some of the tourists here now, some of us, they are in hospital. Two of my brothers, they are in hospital because of their money collapse over there. The onion retailers who have purchased the bags of loaded in the morning dip their hands through the onions poured on the ground in search for those in best shape. They find it difficult retrieving the good ones. They are all rotten. We have paid them already. We pay for the onions before we get the opportunity to open the sacks. So we are incurring losses. I bought five sacks and they are all rotten. If this continues like this, how do we take care of our children? According to the traders, the locally cultivated onions are least preferred by consumers for diverse reasons. Some have nicknamed it Sobolo due to the red color. Here are other reasons some consumers shy away from the local variety. It was very difficult to sell the local onions. The customers kept complaining. Until this situation is curtailed, probably there's time to be shorted of onions on the market. For joinings, Nane Aljima reporting. Well, after the meeting today, uh, there's uh, a raging debate amongst uh, MPs, uh, both on the Interior and Defence Committee as well as the Foreign Affairs Co Committee, uh, over Article 40 of the 1992 Constitution and, uh, and, and what the provision is um, regarding the deployment of an ECOWAS force. That's been the debate uh, leading to uh, the meeting abruptly ending in Parliament today. So let's get to the requirements of what it is that the um, article talks about. There you see it on your screen, Article 40, um, talking about uh, the fact that in its dealings, and here talking about the country with other nations, the government shall first of all uh, promote and protect the interest of Ghana. That's the first requirement. Uh, B talks about the need to seek the establishment of a just and equitable international economic and social order. The minority appears to be basing their arguments around point C, which talks about the need to promote uh, and uh, respect international law, treaties, obligations, 
and the settlement of each of these international disputes or controversies that may emerge, uh, according to the minority, should be uh, handled in a peaceful manner. Now, here's where the majority appears to be raising their, their concern. They're talking about point D, which gives President Akufado no other option uh, than to contribute to the force, basically because of what he says, that uh, the country must adhere to the principles enshrined um, in, or as the case may be, that aims to the ideals of, first of all, the Charter of the United Nations, um, the, the Charter of the Organization of the African Unity. Uh, we also have the Commonwealth, and four talks about the Treaty of the Economic Community of West African states and all any other international organization uh, which Ghana is a member of. That is where uh, the majority appears to be uh, citing their arguments, uh, pointing to the fact that the president has uh, the constitutional mandate. In fact, the president is helpless in their view in terms of uh, opting out of this deployment of the military force. Uh, that meeting ended inconclusively and will definitely uh, bring you uh, some updates as and when we have them. My colleague, Jacqueline Ansumaya, who I engaged some Nigerians as well, uh, who have migrated to uh, Ghana in search of greener pastures. Here's what we found. In the bustling streets of Ghana, a group of Nigerians find themselves in precarious situation. Most of them are here and um, begging for arms in the streets. Today, I'm with a couple of them to find out the reason why they are here and if they are willing to go back to Niger as a coup is currently ongoing in their country. I also have Mariama with me right now. And um, can you ask her how, about Ghana, how many years in here? I've been here for three months. I'm here because we don't get food to eat back at Niger. In regards to the coup and the closing of border, what do you think about it? We have heard of the coup and the fighting, and we also have a lot of kids there. That's why we are here to get what we can back home. In entirety, what does she think about the coup which is ongoing in her country? We have heard of the coup and the fighting, and we also have a lot of kids there. That is why we are here to get what we can and take back home. If you people can help us with some money and food, We'll go back to Niger and support our children there. Why are you willing to go back if there's still hunger there? Why? This isn't our country. So regardless, we'll have to go back. But we just want to have enough money to take care of our kids when we get there. What brought you to Ghana? There's no food, money, nothing at all in Niger. So we came here to ask for help with food and money. In regards to the coup and the closing of border, what do you think about it? If I can't go back, I'm asking for help with some money to start a business or buy food stuff 
to feed my kids. If you have a chance, will you want to go back? We are from Niger, so if we have little money and we get to our border, we have our way to go through into the country. We will go, all of us. All right, so I have another um, person here from Niger, Alima. Yeah. And Alima What brought you to Ghana? My husband is very sick back in Niger, and I have 11 kids. I'm the one who moves around to gather what I can and fend for the family. What do you think about the fight going on in Niger? We will still go back to our country, but we have to gather some money here first. We are the citizens there, and when we get to the border, we will find our way through, as long as we have some money that we are taking back home. So um, I also have Adiza here, who is also in the street um, begging for arms. Um, she's also here to share her experience as a Nigerian right inside Ghana. So, how long have you been in Ghana? Two years. Okay, so two years. What have you been doing in the past two years? Like we have all said, we are all here because there is no food back at home. I've not done anything aside begging. And even that, I don't go around to beg. I send my three children and at times, they come with food or some little money. What about the war back in Niger? What do you think about it? It's not exactly where I'm from in Niger. It's in a different town. So as for us, we are safe. We believe that when we get home, we'll be able to solve ourselves out once we have some money to take back. What did you do back in Niger? There's no job. We cut down firewood and give it to our children to sell in the market. When they go to the market and there's no sales, everyone sleeps hungry. But when there's sales, we cook and everyone at home gets food to eat. I have Samdia here who is 14 years old. She's also in the street right now and from Niger. Now we want to have an interaction with her. Samdia, Etisane, how are you? I'm fine. You're fine. Okay. Um, how long have you been in Ghana? I've been here with my mother for four years. Do you go to school? No, I don't go to school. I stopped going to school back in Niger because my mom said there's no money. So I should cut down firewood and sell. If you had a chance to go back to Niger, would you? Yes, I'll go back with my mother. What are some of the experiences you've been through that will make you go back? We are eight at home, and my mom brought us out to the street to beg for food 
and money. If you have a chance, will you go back to school? Yes, I will. What's that one thing you want to do when you grow up? I want to sell things on the road. Just as you've heard from the Nigerians in the streets of Accra, they've shared some of their experiences and their thoughts on the current coup happening in their country. But if being given the opportunity to go back, they would gladly do so. For Joy News, Jacqueline Ansuma Yaboa. And of course, uh, there's the economic impact of all of this uh, region uh, situation in Niger. So let's get to it in terms of uh, what you need to know about the economic implications as well. Um, we've been trying to break that down for you, uh, looking at uh, some of the economies as you have it. Uh, there you find the Niger being, uh, in terms of the poorest, top 10 poorest country, uh, Niger ranking first there, then follows through with Chad. We have the Central African Republic, Burundi, Madagascar, Mali, Guinea, uh, Mozambique, we have Benin and Ethiopia uh, on that list for you. But then you have it. Um, we're talking about an economy raising around 13.9 billion US dollars. Uh, and uh, that's the economy that we are uh, dealing with. And uh, of course, we're looking at uh, what you need to know about the top producers of uranium because this country is rich when it comes to that resource. Um, you have on the scale of three, in terms of uh, top three producers in Africa, they come second to uh, that Namibia, uh, Namibia being the leading uh, producer in terms of tons and 5,400 uh, on the average as of 2021. Uh, Niger follows through with some 2,642 uh, and then South Africa uh, also comes through um, with some 130 um, thousand tons uh, as of 2021. Uh, but you see that continuous decline in terms of um, uh, how the country has been faring. Uh, you see the year-on-year -year, uh, inflationary rates are not so um, helpful at all as of where the country finds itself. And that's, uh, of course, raising a number of questions as to uh, why ECOWAS would want to solve this problem militarily. But um, there's a need for us to also explore the security angles and uh, what the experts have got to say about this very uh, deployment. So uh, we'll get to you shortly. Uh, let's uh, hear from Richard Kumado, who is a security analyst joining the conversation, uh, because uh, following today's meeting, it appears that the committees, both on defense and also foreign affairs, will be meeting again on the final take. But the president has committed to what it is that ECOWAS has decided. Richard Kumado, uh, welcome to the polls. Um, let, let's take your thoughts on this de deployment uh, and also, first of all, the disagreements that we see uh, taking place between both the majority side and the minority side. How do you feel that MPs should be approaching this, knowing that we are in a crisis? Well, uh, Richard, are you with us? Okay, uh, it appears uh, we're having some challenge uh, connecting with uh, Richard Kumado there. He's a security uh, analyst. Uh, he's back on. Richard, I was just asking the question uh, about what needs to be done now, knowing that we're in a crisis. Uh, the call is that all our MPs have to be on one page, at least to support the president to deploy uh, the forces, if indeed that will be our national position. Um, what, what's your take on, on this whole division in Parliament as to whether or not the President has the constitutional remedy to go on? 
Definitely. The president is the commander-in-chief of the Ghana forces. He has the right to deploy troops in our security interests or in our national interests. But it's also important that the parliamentarians who represent all of us in parliament will have a bite on it and they will need to agree as to the way forward. Uh, it's not a matter of who loses or who wins, but we will need the input of the parliamentarians. And I think whoever is calling for that will be something I will support immensely. And today, that meeting that we're seeing now between the National Security Minister, the Defence Minister, and also the uh, Defence as well as the Foreign Affairs Committee in Parliament, do, do you feel that such engagements are necessary now, uh, knowing um, the, the, that we are, of course, running out of time in, in terms of what the options are uh, for the Ghanaian military? No, it's not predominantly the choice for the Ghanaian military. It's an ECOWAS thing. And when you look at what is happening in uh, Niger right now, uh, the terms have changed a little bit drastically. They have appointed a, a civilian as a prime minister. They have appointed 21 people to the civilian to manage the country. So there's a level of the agency, but the trips have not been that. They have refused to listen to uh, Richard, it appears we're losing you intermittently. Can, can you make the point again, sir? Richard Kumano? Hmm. Uh, we seem to be having a, a challenge uh, with Richard Kumano there. Uh, he's a security analyst uh, joining us. Uh, but uh, Richard, let, let's try one more time. Richard, can you hear me? Okay, uh, we seem to have lost uh, Richard Kumano there. You're watching The Pulse here on the Join News channel. When we return, we'll talk about some more stories making the rounds here in the country. Please stay. Smile, hmm? Look lively, okay? Smile, smile! <gasps> Is the money too small? A bad stomach ruins your day. Don't let it. Take Gastrone, your most effective antacid, for the relief of symptoms of peptic ulcer, heartburn, gas pain, flatulence, and indigestion. Hey guys, what are you waiting for? Let's go, let's go. Mwah. Can you bring down the smiles more? <laughs> Gastrone, effective relief from stomach discomfort. Manufactured and distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been written and approved by the FDA. Daddy? Daddy, this tank is big! Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface like it. Mm-hmm, that's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. But it falls down into spoilers. That's not true. But why? Whoa. Hey! 
<laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? For crystal clear and thrilling podcasts and live shows, download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, MyJoy Online, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible, Stitcher, Adam Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated. aimed at enhancing revenue generation and promoting responsible gambling, the Ghana Revenue Authority is set to introduce a 10% withholding tax on uh, gross winnings from all betting and games of chance, effective uh, the 15th of August 2023. Uh, how much do you know about this new tax and uh, what must you do to ensure compliance? Uh, we'll be speaking to the Ghana Revenue Authority uh, shortly on this. Uh, first, an interaction uh, with young persons who depend on bets for survival. Coach Ali is a staunch AC Milan fan whose betting journey started in 2010. A man who has explored different betting platforms says the tax is likely to dash the hopes of the young Ghanaian. Oh, I started betting around 2010. Uh, 2010, yes, in Kumasi. That, that, that time we had Safari, my bet, a couple of premier bets and the rest. 2010, yes. And it's not something I will say is bad. It's, it's bad and good, but uh, it's, its disadvantages are more than the advantages. And I've always said betting was introduced to weaken the African youth. So it has a lot of disadvantages than than its advantages. Uh, you see, it is not proportional. You lose more than gaining. And, and if you are to gain more than, than losing, then the betting companies will definitely collapse. You're still staking or you've stopped? For now, I'm, I, I'm thinking about it because for the past one and a half seasons, I've not won, okay, I've not won. And if you permit me, I, I, I will show you my history. I, I can show you. I've, I have not won, and I've also heard the government is now introducing 10% of what you win because of the economic crisis. I can even show it to you. There was a time I stayed 0.02 pesos because I just needed hope, you see. I just needed hope. So, and, and, and all these, I, I, I can tell you, lost, 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 lost. The last time I won a bet is like two years ago, two years ago. But I've been staking 30 CDs, 40 CDs, 50 CDs, 5 CDs, 2 CDs, and 0.02 pesos. So it tells you how the economy is. The story isn't different for Chikata, a level 200 student of the University of Ghana Stadium Sociology. She says the move is unfair and she expects government to do better. I don't agree with this because first, before it was E-Levy, and then before the E-Levy was introduced, how I saw the country, the development and all that, after the E-Levy, I was expecting a difference. Like, I should see a difference in the development of the country. Maybe this is what the E-Levy was used for, but I've not seen any difference before and after taking the E-Levy. So, 
to this I feel taking the 10% is because of the economic crisis we have in the country. And to me, I don't believe after taking this, there's going to be any change in the development of the country. As I thought it was going to be a change, there was going to be a change during the E-Levy. So to me, I don't agree with this. And then secondly, when, when I bet and then I win, you take 10%, but when I lose, what's going to happen? They're not going to give me any 10%. So it's not being fair. After all, it's my money I invested in the betting. So if I lose and I don't get anything, but when I win, you get something. That's very unfair to me. Ibrahim is a trader. He thinks otherwise. He tells me that tax on gaming is good, but expects the 10% to be reviewed because the rate is high. For tax, they're good for us because it's a development thing. We can't refuse from tax. Tax is good. But if you tax the person, if the person will tax it, it's too high. He can't even pay. Even he will draw from the belt. Understand me? So yeah, he will be dodging. Because if I go stay, then I pay tenancy. The next time I'll come and stay again. No, I won't come again. But even if you tax me like two cities, then it's good for me. So if you tax me about ten cities, I'll even pay more. The application of this levy is part of a broader review of the income tax on gaming and lottery operations in the country. It's going to um, you know, discourage most of the youths in going through this betting, this lottery and all that. And in another way too, you know, um, most of us are unemployed. Most of the youths in Ghana are unemployed. So many of them are using these bet platforms to get income, you know, to get money into their accounts and all that to do one or two things that they need to do. So I think... In a way, it's going to help, but in a way, it's not going to help us too. There are no jobs in Ghana, and the youth would actually be in, do, indulging um, criminal activities such as Amrobi and or just to get money for their own benefits. But betting companies have come to make the youth also have a better way of getting money, which is in a way not good, but it's better than uh, being an Amrobi or prison. Yes. Someone who had big or plenty and they not make good use of it. That small amount cannot do anything. So what have they done with the e-levy? And mind you, you are taxing the betting companies. What have you done with it? You are you are taxing the telcos. What have you done with it? And now you are going to tax the poor boy who comes from Obwase, who is just trying to buy hope so that he doesn't engage himself in immoral acts. What are you going to do with it? Even the three billion, you did nothing with it. What are you going to do with that 10%? The, it is not going to help us. So, you see, one, they are lazy and they are using the lazy man approach. And if you use the lazy man approach, there is no significant impact in the society. So, it's better they stop. It has no positives, it, it has no advantages. I'm urging them, if they think we win, they should take Ghana's reserves, go there and stake and see if the youth win. That is where they will know that they have to put money into the pockets of the youth. Every month, at least 500 cities on my momo, then it comes. The withholding tax deduction according to the Ghana Revenue Authority applies to winnings paid or payable by private lot operators, sports betting operators, casino operators, route operators, remote interactive game operators, operators of marketing promotions, and operators of other games of chance. James the Chance reports for Joy Business.
Well, let's get more from uh, Spiel Abadou, member of the uh, GRA Gaming Commission. Um, thank you, sir, for joining us. Uh, so, the, the, can you explain to us the modalities by which you'll be, you'll be applying this 10% VAT on, on the gaming? Hello. Hello, sir. And I'm asking the, the modalities and, and how you're going about the deductions. Well, thank you very much. Um, for the record, this tax is not new, and it is not only in Ghana. If you go to other jurisdictions, they also charge taxes on winnings. Now, for us, the modalities, what we're saying is that the gaming entities uh, are the withholding agents, and therefore, if the bets are placed and there are wins, uh, the law, the amendment of 896 says that the gross winning they should withhold 10%. So what it means is that if the person wins and you are paying them, you withhold the tax. But in, in application, it means that if the person bets and you are paying, the idea for investment and withholding tax on investment is the same principle according to our law in section 115 lottery is part of the withholding taxes that must be paid so for example if you invest and you earn something on your investment the money that you the principal amount that you put in the investment is not taxed it is what you earned on the investment that is taxed and that is where the principle is coming from so what the gaming operators will do those who win. When you are paying them, you take out the stakes that end the win. And then the net, you withhold 10%. That is it. Uh, now that it is taking effect, um, how, how do you plan to uh, take that from the betting agencies? Uh, are, you, are you certain that their systems are uh, intact to, to render the accounts as they should be? Yeah, we have come very far you know we engaged them for uh, several months last year we engaged them and this train was supposed to roll out earlier on around may but we they told us about a system constitution so they were given for months from may to this august that by then everybody would have you know updated or adjusted or tweaked their system that it can do this uh, withholding tax. So we believe after having engaged them, they are ready uh, to charge, and we are also monitoring. So as it starts today, we are setting up so that we can see who and who are charged. We believe, based on what we have, uh, the discussion that has gone on for, so far, we believe they are going to start charging, and their system are ready. Nevertheless, if anybody has any challenge, the commissioner is ready to uh, listen. If they don't charge, there are other uh, uh, punitive measures which we'll go, we'll talk about later. What do you forecast to be the impact on on the behavior of those who who you know go in for these services? Can you come again? Uh, what do you forecast to be the, the impact on on you know? Uh, those who go in for the services or those who engage in betting? Well, we, ex we expect that, you know, being a new, uh, being something we are now implementing, 
they will have some reaction. But we believe that with much education, we will be able, they will understand. But for now, we know that some of them are in disagreement with it because they think that it's new, but it's not new, only that we have brought it in another form. So for now, we know there will be reaction, but we have said that we are ready to listen to anybody, any group, any entity. Mm. That means that they don't understand or they need further information. The commissioner's door is open or the commissioner general's door is opened for any further discussion. So we know that there will be reaction. It is the same with any tax when it comes to new people will react. But after they have been well educated, they would appreciate that taxes are something that you have to pay to live in a decent society. So everyone has to contribute his quota. And this tax is, by law, something you are earning on an investment called betting. So if you invest money in a bank and you earn some dividend or you earn an investment in a bank, you earn some dividend, they deduct taxes on it. And okay. it's the same principle if you also bet and you earn something on it. There is nothing wrong in paying something to support the nation's development. And this is where the principle, like I said, is coming from. Okay. So we believe that there will be reaction with, at the beginning, but as we educate more and more people, I think they will come to appreciate that everybody must contribute his fair share to the basket. Mm. Okay. Sphere Abedu, thank you for spending some time with us. And now, 35-year-old Rashid uh, Ahmed Anata, accused of having canal knowledge with uh, 12 miners in the WA municipality of the Upper West region, appeared before uh, the WA circuit court this uh, morning for an in-camera hearing presided over by his uh, honour, Jonathan uh, Avogu. Nine of his 12 victims came to the court, uh, hooded, and, and of course uh, gave a graphic and chilling evidence uh, against the accused Ananga Anata has uh, the opportunity of cross-examining uh, all of them uh, later. Join us is Upper West Regional Correspondent Rafik Salam reports from WA. This of 35-year-old popular MC Rashid Ahmed Anata was heard in camera right at the Wasekul Court. Nine of the 12 victims were brought into the court, all wounded. It lasted more than two hours. The crowd was there in their numbers but they have no access to the judge's chamber where the case was set in camera. Unlike the previous days, there was a police presence to restore order. This is the first time the 35-year-old alleged sexual predator is meeting his victims at the court. Nine of the victims for the first time were in court for the in-camera hearing. All of them were hooded and brought into the court by an Ash Fortuna. The court decided that it was not proper to expose the victims to the society because whilst we are trying the matter and whilst we are using them as our witnesses, it is also important and the law actually mandates us to protect their identity, try and see, to try and rehabilitate them in a sort. So we are, we are taking every step that is necessary to secure the witnesses. Principal State Attorney at the Attorney General's Department in the Upper West Region Lawyer Sayyid Abdul Shakur, who is leading the prosecution, recounted what transpired in court today. Witnesses were quite, it was quite graphic, and you wouldn't believe they were children. They told the story in a very, very consistent 
very coherent manner. We put in three, three of the ladies, 12 years, 12 years and 13 years, we put them in today and all of them testified. They were all cross-examined and then that's how it ended today. So tomorrow we are going to continue with other witnesses. You also let in on what to expect the coming days. Well, we are dealing with another set of two ladies, the two girls that were involved. That's what we are If time allow us, we might deal with four ladies, four in two separate dockets. We might deal with them. We want to make sure that all the children that are involved, we are able to take all their testimony before we bring in the technical people like the investigator, the medical doctor to come and testify. But the children, because their evidence is particularly necessary for us, case, and particularly because they are very young and they, 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 are, they are, if you allow them time, they might even forget. We are trying to get it as early as possible. So our focus now is getting the evidence of the children before we move to other technical people. Anata has no legal representation. The case is back in court tomorrow. Reporting for the news, Rafik Salam. Well, once in a while, you get uh, women who are defying the odds uh, to venture into areas uh, where men have dominated for centuries. Gertrude uh, Adra Oheni Sienim uh, is the executive director uh, for the Wista, uh, which is uh, the Wista Whitestone Ship Broadcast. Uh, ship uh, brokers and uh, also the West Africa um, uh, School of Shipping. Uh, she's a maritime expert and a chartered uh, ship broker, as actually. Uh, so let's get to hear more about her and why she uh, is in this industry. Thank you, uh, Madam, for joining us. Uh, it's good to uh, hear about you. First of all, um, what do you have to say about the industry that you find yourself in? Is it is it a correct notion that it's you know an area for men? What, what do you have to say about that? Well, the maritime industry is male-dominated. That's a fact. If somebody once made a joke that you don't have time for women who go on maternity leave on vessels, and although it's a joke, it's something that people hold um, dear to their hearts when they're employing people into the maritime industry. And so when you go to mostly the operation departments of most um, companies, you will find no woman at all in the operations department because they are juggling between ports, getting onto vessels and others. I teach as well at the Regional Maritime University, and it is disheartening to go to the engineering department or the nautical department and find that usually there are just about two women in the class or none at all. And so this is a bit worrying. And when you get to the top positions, in the maritime space as well, you find less women in the boardroom and other places where women are supposed to be. And so it's, it's very worrying, and that is why we have the organization like WISTA, which is Women International Shipping and Trading Association, that promotes top executives, middle-class executives. And we pull along through mentorship um, our young ones yeah. and train them to become what they want to become by defying the odds yeah. and take on roles okay. that are challenging. Right. So let's talk about Wista then. Um, what's the membership made of? And uh, would you say that it's been growing ever since? 
Worcester International will be 50 years old next year. Worcester Ghana was established in 2010, and so we are growing. We cut across, Worcester International is in about 56 countries. It has about 3,800 members and some affiliates. In Worcester Ghana, we have membership cutting across almost all the main agencies, the Ghana Maritime Authority, the Ghana Ports and Harbors Authority, the Shippers Authority, all the other uh, freight forwarding associations and other allied maritime industries from the regional maritime university where we have our maritime ladies as well that will bring them up. So we are nurturing, we're growing, and we are progressing. Uh, in terms of um, you know mentorship and trying to support other women to come into the space in which you find yourself, what are some of the challenges for you uh, in, in that attempt, that campaign that you've been running to try and get more young girls to, to look up to you and to you know come into the same space in which you are? Mostly, it's about fear. Mm-hmm. Most women are afraid to, and then also it has to do about causes that people. I never got to know about the maritime industry when I was younger until I finished the University of Science and Technology then, UST, Kumasi. And then there was an advert in the newspaper looking for people to do a postgraduate diploma at the Maritime University. Right. And I applied. And that was how I got You were not into, even conscious about it. I was not even conscious about it. So that's how I got into the maritime industry. And it's, a lot, it's the same for most people. They don't plan to be in shipping because they never hear about shipping. We don't learn about the seas, the oceans, and others in our secondary school books um, most of the time, apart from those who do a little bit of geography and other things. You hardly hear anything maritime on our secondary school campuses and at the university campuses. So we want to change this perspective by bringing people up young and training them into that space. Also building up the confidence of people. So Worcester International, for instance, has built up what we call the Maritime Speakers Bureau, where wherever you are in the world, you can register um, on, on that portal. And if somewhere around your area of specialty comes up, you can be called all over the world to speak. We are also doing teaching um, ourselves and the young ones coming, presentation skills. You will be surprised that maybe somebody, a woman wants to be an MP yeah. or wants to stand for a position and they don't even know how to go about it, yeah. how to present themselves. Presentation is very important. It includes everything, including what you wear, how you speak, your mannerism, because what we do, I, I mean, I was, um, I just found out years ago that if you type, for instance, in capital letters to somebody you are shouting. Yeah. So if you haven't been in the international space, some of these things you won't understand, that a gesture you usually make in Ghana could, will be, be, offensive. could be offensive to somebody else who is outside of your jurisdiction. So we are trying to build up people's capacity, people's capacity. in these areas by training them on one. Yeah. It's always very interesting to work in international space. I have been blessed by God yeah. to be the uh, Institute of Chartership Workers Membership Committee okay, chairperson right. for, for the world. Yeah. And so I get to interact with so many people from different countries. And I learn a lot through cultural di- diversity, communication skills, and others. So these are the things that we want to teach our members as well as our mentees to be able to be assertive in, in the areas where they find Let's themselves. talk about the contemporary issues uh, within the maritime space as we speak. What, what are some of the 
um, unique challenges, especially for those who, who are applying their trade in this part of the world? What, what's the unique challenge uh, in our space here? The maritime industry, as you said, cuts across nations. And so one of the main challenges you'll find, for instance, in areas where we are, will be exchange rate fluctuations. You import something, you have your budget on duty, other things, the things get to the port, and the exchange rate has gone high. So um, it means that your cost will go up. We also have many importers buying insurance from outside of the country, which is something that Ghana has legislated for, that insurance should be bought locally, bringing that understanding to the doorstep of why people should take advantage of such a law has also been a challenge. And is now there's been a lot of sensitization going on and people are buying into this. It's also the space of being competitive in terms of port tariffs, in terms of um, other fees that our importers uh, and exporters have to go through. And also the bureaucratic tendencies in you clear something to an European port and you are there and you, you get your items with little efforts. All the, although we have these ICOM systems going on, there's still the ch- some little challenges in the system which needs to be cleared up. So, in, in effect, things are moving, but there, there's a lot more to be done in there. If there's anything to consider policy-wise that, that will aid the sector, what are some of the immediate ones we could be looking at? In terms of policy, maybe I should look at my women first. Yeah, yeah it's fair, it's fair <laughs> to, to bring, that, bring that up always. Yes, it's fair. Certainly. Um, we need to look at inclusive right. um, leadership in terms of appointing people to boards. Countries that have consciously done this, like Norway and others, they have a quota that for boards, 40% of the board members should be... Um, directed or reserved for women. And it's because when you have a balance in a workplace, things move faster. Let me give you an example. Those who go to the university recently, you realize that all the universities are changing their chairs whereas because they want more space. And so you sit on the chair and that same chair, it's the arm is what you write. Yeah. Imagine a pregnant woman sitting on that chair, writing an exam. It's not conducive. If you don't have an eye there that will see these things, and it's only women who can see these things. So, um, and the essence of having a very conducive workspace environment, so work family life balance is very important. Most offices in Ghana, I must say, are not up to standard. Um, you walk into an office, it's a very big space, but the way the space has been kept or even the washrooms. I don't know how many offices you go around to, but sometimes you run into an office and even the place of convenience is not somewhere that... And women pick a lot of infections and other things in this place. So having a conduit... Because we spend most of our time at the workplace. And so the workplace should be a very conducive environment. One flower pot here, something to make it lively to, for, for people to work. And also, you know, sometimes when, when you work and you're a family woman, once in a while maybe your child is sick, but you must be at work. What facilities do we have in our workplaces to be able to put in um, where if I take for one reason or another, my child must be at work? Is there any place where a person can sit and, and have some care 
for me to be able to work conducively, or my child closes from school and has to come to work. These are things that we haven't considered very much, but it's getting on in yeah. other European countries and others where they've seen that when you're able to add certain facilities to your workplace environment, it gives um, your employees a sound mind to work, and pro- productivity actually increases. Exactly. So these are things that if there should be policy changes, we should look at that. Also, probably our maternity leave mm-hmm. needs, Change, needs to be looked to, at. <laughs> indeed, it's an area that we can look at. Uh, but, but looking at the unique story of um, Whitestone Brokers, how are you using that to inspire change in the sector? So Whitestone Shipbrokers, it's um, mainly into chartering of vessels, uh, maritime consultancy, and um, advisory uh, stages. And we have the West Africa School of Shipping, which is a recognized partner of the Institute of Charter Shipbrokers. So we run 16 courses in, in shipping with certification from London. And so we are putting in training programs. So our um, idea is for let, to let people in the maritime space think maritime and talk maritime. And that includes holistic training programs that we put together to bring up people's um, capacity in the area in which they work. You know, people do things and they do them over the years without understanding the fundamental principles and legal implications of what they do. So we bring them to the practicality of the knowledge they acquire and how they can apply that in their workspace to build their scope to the point that they do their work with understanding, with professionalism, and with ease. And at the Institute of Chartership Workers, we say that our word is our bond. That is something that we lack in Ghana. People say one thing and they do another thing. We want people to mean what they say and do what they say. And so training people to be able to even appreciate their own work ethics. Every company has their work ethics. Every company has their style of doing things. How to even appreciate that and be able to incorporate it into the core values of the company and grow with it so that it becomes your mentality. That is how you meet a young white boy who is about 25 years old and he's speaking to somebody the way he's so assertive. And he's commanding what the area in which he, he his authority. You'll be amazed. You think that he's been working for the company mm. for 10, 15 years. Right. But you dig and you realize that he was just an intern who has just been employed. All is because they take the person and they train them. Most Ghanaian companies, it's unfortunate to say, do not want to invest in training. So you organize training programs and you realize that it's only the multinational companies that are bringing people. And that is a perception that needs to change. Yeah, and we need to talk about that some more because uh, when you talk shipping, the, the, the perception, the immediate one that comes of anyone's mind will be, okay, this is an area for the multinationals. And it's not an area that you find more Ghanaians in, more indigenous companies also growing in. Do you see that changing over the years? No, shipping cuts across every, every organization. Yeah. Even Joy FM, at the table you are sitting in came with yeah, a ship. Right. The chair, everything, 90% of things come by ship. Right. And shipping by extension, we can include other modes of transport as well because now we have multimodalism. Right. And so things move right from the doorstep of somebody to the desk. So logistics management, project management, planning, it's all part in, in the shipping uh, chain. And because things are now you have to do from one, one point to the other. Right. 
And so everybody is involved. And most of the people in, in the clearing and forwarding sector are mainly Ghanaians and other um, Ghanaians also in the ship agency sector. So the shipping sector is wide. From the logistics companies, we have the ship agents, we have the port, um, the uh, mariners, we have cargo surveyors, we have those doing insurance to cover the goods, we have those doing uh, maritime construction. So it's, it cuts across. Shipping is one um, area where you can find almost every profession in there. You go on board a vessel, you'll find the big vessels like the rigs that operate on our shore. you find a doctor on board. But the doctor must go through basic survival at sea and acquire those certifications to be able to go on board. You'll find cooks there because you need somebody who is well-trained to be able to do um, cooking for those on board the vessel. You'll find stewards. We call them stewards, but they are mainly cleaners, right. okay, on board the vessel. So shipping cuts across different arena yeah. of professions. But you need to understand the shipping language. You need to understand the way the shipping world, even when you're a lawyer and want to uh, branch into maritime law, you need to learn about the trade to be able to acquire that skill, to be able to legislate in the, in the maritime law area very professionally and efficiently. So training is very important, no matter the sector you're in. So far as you yeah. want to venture into the space of the maritime world, then you need that training to be able to right. build up your capacity. Uh, okay, but, but personally, wh- wh- where, what did you find that inspiration to, to connect and to you know, give you that sense of reassurance that, well, this is the area for me, other women can also come in? I have always been working, I've worked in the oil and gas industry on big projects, right. um, seismic acquisition, and other areas. And once in a while, people used to invite me. And even in that space, you realize that being at the top, I had been country manager for many multinational companies. And when you go for meetings, people would ask, are you the business development manager? Because for them, it is not a woman's place to be a country manager of an oil and gas company at that level. And people will intentionally send you emails and say, dear Mr. Gertrude, (laughs) things like that, you know? But... The motivation came with, once in a while, people invite you to come and do capacity building or speak at their events, and you go and they like they want more. And mostly because you're busy working, it became very difficult to, to do that. So it, be, it became more like a passion. Mm. And the quest from people that... This is your area. It looks like that's, yeah, that's, looks that's like something you can do. That, that's something you can do. And, yeah. and I personally love, love teaching. So I always tell people that I've, I've worked in so many organizations, yes. but anytime I get to the classroom, I'm in my elements. Mm. And I guess so, it's because you get to connect much more with people. Exactly. And, and a teacher mm-hmm. influences a lot more people than people can imagine. You can tell your son something, he won't take it. But if his teacher tells him, he will take it. And I've just realized that teaching right. at the university, that it doesn't matter whether the person is 60 years yeah. old or 20 years old. Insofar as you are the lecturer, yeah. there's that kind of connection, and, connection yeah. that respect, and that kind of they look up to you. Mm. So whatever you say makes a huge impact. So yeah. if you have bad teachers in a space, <laughs> they are influencing people negatively. Yeah. Insofar as also you have good teachers in a place, they are impo- positively. So we need to be careful 
who is teaching our children or how we need to be mindful of that exactly and we're glad that you have, we have some of you around still teaching our people but but then um Looking at um, the, the year to come, which is next year, obviously, your association will be celebrating 50, 50 years. Are there some plans? Are there some uh, roadmaps towards uh, you know, that celebration? Yes. Um, Western Ghana would want to celebrate along with Western International. So there's going to be an international program that will be released. But with Western Ghana, at the end of this year, we want to start with Western Community Engagement which means what we are trying to do is if you have something that you have, most of us have shoes, dresses, old laptops, computers, printers we are not using, bring it and let's donate it to somebody's management, which means what we are trying to do is if you have something that you have, most of us have shoes, dresses, old laptops, computers, printers we're not using. Bring it and let's donate it to somebody who oh, needs it. You're giving, you know, we're giving, giving back yeah, to society. So we're going to have printers we're not using. Bring it and let's donate it to somebody who oh, needs it. You're giving, you know, we're giving, giving back yeah, to society. So we're going to have um, maritime pollution is a very serious thing. When we've been working in close collaboration with our maritime agencies like the Ghana Shipless Authority, the Ghana Maritime Authority, the Ghana Ports and Harbors Authority, the Freight Forwarders Associations, the Ship Owners and Agents Association. These are key on our agenda, how we can all come together and promote the maritime space and build a healthy maritime community. I see. There's a, there's a lot uh, that you're, you're doing. Uh, is there any final word that you want to leave our viewers with uh, and also maybe share with the young ones who, who are looking up to you? I just want to encourage our women and everyone out there who wants to aspire to be, that you can be whatever you want to be when you set up your mind to be. We want to encourage more of our young women to also study the STEM subjects, that is science and mathematics, so that they can also get, no matter where you are, wherever you get to for the next year, it becomes very analytical. So getting into subjects that makes you an analytic and also... Everything is changing into the digital yeah. space. Yeah, exactly. So you develop yourself in the use of technology. It's very important. And how to build where you can get to. So I would advise them to be bold and courageous and take on um, tax that will build up um, their careers to where they want to be. Well, get rid is just the start of uh, bigger things to come. I'm sure that uh, we'll reconnect again uh, to talk about that celebration uh, next year. But thank you. Grateful that you've been able to thank spend some time. Thank you very much for having us. We're very grateful yeah. for inviting us. All right, then. Uh, and now commercial drivers uh, who apply the Kun barrier to Michelle Camp. Uh, and the Sechibediaco roads in the Punkatamasu municipality of the Greater Accra region are uh, on a sit-down strike to protest the deplorable nature of their roads in the Enclave. There's more in this report by Carlos Caloni. According to the commercial drivers, until they see a contractor on the road, they are not returning to work. Some of them haven't spoken to join news. I am a driver and we feel this place all the time. Our roads here are very bad. They are very, very bad. And we fall on the authority for a series of times. Series of times. All they say is the road has been awarded to your contractor. We can't remember about a year or a year or two. 
uh, they came here to cut a sword that this road will be constructed very soon. And uh, we don't know when soon is, is, is that road going to be constructed. Because it's quite over two years now. And we still keep on suffering. Recently, this what triggers this sit-down strike is, recently we saw a video going viral that our MP asked questions about our road. And then the road minister told him that the, uh, the government has no plan for Konkatamasu roads and other road, uh, the roads that they, he mentioned of. So meanwhile, then we got to know that the assembly, they are deceiving us. Meanwhile, every each and every day, they come there to collect those. Some commuters have also been expressing concerns over the state of the roads in the area. I just came to the roadside about an hour ago trying to get um, a cab to work. But it looks as though the road has been blocked. This is what you can see here. The road is in a very, very, very bad shape. As such, the drivers here are on demonstration and do not want any other driver to use the road. That's why we are all stranded here looking for vehicles to travel to our workplaces. It's very, it's very disappointing because I'm working with local roofing system. I'm saying at home, I have to take car from barrier to Michelle Campgate. And this morning, this is what I've, I've met. And to take car from barrier to Michelle Campgate. And this morning, this is what I've, I've met. And in fact, it's, it's very bad. The assemblyman from Lichapo electoral area, Isaac Newton Tete, has this to say. Leadership have been deceiving the residents all this while. Chapo, electoral area, Isaac Newton Tete, has this to say. Leadership have been deceiving the residents all this while. It means that we have to take the, our destiny into our own hands and ensure that the situation has angered uh, the residents. As I speak to you now, many or hundreds of them today walked on their foot to their family. is also saying that they have uh, contracts on this particular route. So if he's also saying that there's nothing on their records, then how are we going to reconcile the two positions? They can only consider this road in the 2024 budget. And as you can see, this road needs urgent attention. So the minister cannot push us to 2024 budget. And last night, host of uh, PM Express, Evan Smith, took us to uh, the by uh, such economic upheavals. Uh, we hear from them and the management professor shortly. Um, Just the 2024 budget. And last night, host of uh, PM Express, Evan Smith, took us to uh, the by uh, such economic upheavals. Uh, we hear from them and the management professor shortly. Um, we hear from them and the management professor shortly. Um, right now, uh, let's uh, bring in and um, we hear from them and the management professor shortly. Um, right now, uh, let's uh, bring in and. Um, yeah, and I born it to me as a son. Yes, it's a HFS. HFS, it's a surprise. HFS, it's just a first, you know, Kawis, you better turn about the set. But it's a 25. Okay. So I just say, but it's a lot of failure to me, but for me, to me, but for my now also a good way. But you could have fallen here. Broom, Tom, so bra, sister, a bra. Nadia won't be to me a big gem on my essay and turn it for four. It's a season. It's a say no. 
cabbage price no from kakra but we say green pepper carrot no bone was so the price is the same in the price the price no bag 22 million per bag 22 million now 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 what on oh it's me by 10 million first now first now to thousand and as a standard and for the full bag but it's say being you so no turn and say no okay it's say no bag no not basket three no not first now to there be a full bag oh okay but when yeah 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 arrange maybe says when and they 220 no 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 okay full bag full bag no okay you see and now okay it's where you see who say where you see who say near Mm, which one say yeah, 200. Hmm? 200. 200 cities. Mm. Okay, 200 cities. So, do you see where you 200 cities? So, let's let's look at it. Let's clarify that. So, what you see in the basket is 200 cities. Yeah. First, in the bar, like all the people here. Tell me more 100. Or ah. 80 cities. Wow. Mm, or 70 cities. Nowadays, the market is not moving like how we want it to. Because, because of especially this rainy season, okay. it affects our market so much. And normally, when it comes to rainy season like this, uh, the cars that will move to the bush to bring out the animals doesn't want to go. Because when they go, they go, they go and what? They get stuck in the, in the mud. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes we find it difficult. Getting the animals during what rainy season. That also means that they are charging you more for transport. Yes, to definitely. Transport the yeah, yeah. To you, animal at the market. Okay. Does it? The, the, the cow, goat, sheep, most of them are what coming from our animal at the market. Does it? Okay. Does it? The, the, the cow, goat, sheep, most of them are what coming from our the Ghanaian market and some of the challenges they face. Uh, joining us now is uh, uh, Professor State of Michigan. And I, um, I hold the endowed chair in um, international business wow. at the Kamuna um, Scott Elk. From our the Ghanaian market and some of the challenges they face. Uh, joining us now is uh, uh, Professor State of Michigan. And I, um, I hold the endowed chair in um, international business wow. at the Kamuna um, but El Camona College of Business. Wow, 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 that's amazing. Now we know, at yes. least. <laughs> so let's get to it into, into the, I uh, know, at yes. least. <laughs> so let's get to it into, into the uh, dynamics of it. Uh, let's go for the point about women and some of the unique. Now we know, at yes. least. <laughs> so let's get to it into, into the uh, dynamics of it. Uh, let's go for the point about women and some of the unique. Some of the jokes that affect women trading yeah. or in the local languages because very often we're doing everything yes. in english, in english. Yeah. Yeah. which they lack now mm. and so i was fortunate right. i had my education before entering the market right. so women and some of the unique some of the jokes that affect women trading yeah. or in the local languages because very often we're doing everything yes. in english, in english. In yeah. that um I was fortunate. Right. I had my education before entering the market, right. so it wasn't uh, surprising that um, I had the Makola Foundation. Yes. So I was faced by some of these jokes, not out of uh, lack of knowledge in financial literacy or digital literacy. Yeah. Is the founder and awareness of the nature of 
the jolts that these market women face. Sometimes we use the words challenge. But in our opinion, challenge does not capture. It does not effectively reflect the trauma that these very talented ladies and women who work in our markets, they face. A fire to reflect the trauma that these very talented ladies and women takes place. Persons a fire takes place. Persons then when you multiply it with the floods we know that it will rain. And yet still are you doing it mainly in the form of education? What, what approach are you using towards uh, dealing with that? So what we've, we're, we're trying to do is a multi-faceted approach. Yes. And um, one of our approaches is uh, gathering different um, groups of um, um, experts in different areas. Um, for example, someone who uh, has in, tremendous information about fires, someone who has information about security, because the market women sometimes face all sorts of very, very uh, traumatic security-oriented issues, Um, someone who is um, uh, even more recently fires, someone who has information about security, because the market women sometimes face all sorts of very, very uh, traumatic security-oriented even more recently, the influx of Chinese traders okay. to the marketplace, who is um, uh, even more recently, the influx of Chinese traders okay. to the marketplace. Okay. I was, oh, yes. So I had got all my words and then I couldn't get any helper. And so these are some of the things that we have seen and we, I have gone through and I'm exposing other women to. And I'm so lucky to be part of the uh, Ghana Enterprises Agency's uh, training for women. And, and, and so I'm able to interact with them and I catch them quick and then bring them wow, to the that's amazing. for training. But, but, but the, the issue about policy and how we can also get authorities, local assemblies to also partner your group. Prof, are you considering some of these options? Are, are these issues that you... Yes, we are. About? And um, indeed, uh, this coming Friday, we have a group that oh. we're uh, meeting to, uh, to put together our thoughts and, 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 brainstorm, and brainstorm and, and actually present our, our suggested recommendations. And then we've been very, very fortunate to have um, a very talented... Um, a young man, relatively, you know, um, Dr. Soji Soji Tete, uh, who is the chair of the Center for Social Justice, who is also working with us uh, together with uh, Professor Meishi um, in the United States. And part of uh, what we are saying is that um, when these jolts take place, 
they've been really emphasizing that aspect of that. Uh, but beyond, um, you know, just the market women, how about their families? Uh, are you also, uh, you know, mindful about the remote factors yes. that, that, you know, um, contribute to their success or otherwise in, yes, in the market? Yes, indeed, and we do have one um, a gentleman, um, Inspector Kwesi uh, Ofori, and um, his, uh, his colleague, who are also emphasizing the fact that uh, when these jolts take place and these market women are affected, it's not just them, but uh, their families. Extended. And then, and especially if they, they are the main breadwinner, the, the ripple effect of these jolts on these women uh, into the communities are all very well laid. Uh, so we have one of our, our, our um, members, and I, as I mentioned, okay. Inspector who would be particularly emphasizing this aspect of the effect on the families and the effect on, on the communities. Okay, so let's, um, of course, uh, leave a final word with our viewers. I'm sure that probably you are open to inviting okay. some more persons to join okay. the network. What message would you want to... So the message I have for women, yeah. entrepreneurs, women in business market women, is that uh, we rent people's uh, shops to do business in them. But the major or principal jolt I felt, uh, I felt yeah. at the marketplace was litigation right. about my shops. Unfortunately for me, I had three shops housed in the same building. And so when there was litigation on that yeah. shop, it affected everything, everything my business. And then when there was fire, the one I rented the shops from at Kaneshi, maybe didn't have insurance on the property. Mm. And these are major jokes that we must create the awareness. Mm. So my plea to other market women and fellow women entrepreneurs is that whenever or wherever we want to rent a place for our businesses, we should ensure that the landlord or landlady has the requisite insurance policy in place for the building, for the building. Yeah. And then we as market women or entrepreneurs catch them quick and then bring them wow. to the that's amazing. But, but, but the, the issue about policy and how we can also get authorities, local assemblies to also partner your group, are you considering some of these options? Are, are these issues that... I catch them quick and then bring them wow, to their Wow, that's amazing. But, but, but the, the issue about policy and how we can also get authorities, local assemblies to also partner your group, are you considering some of these options? Are, are these issues that you... Yes, you are we are. Through? And um, indeed, uh, this coming Friday, we have a group that oh. we're uh, meeting to, uh, to put together our thoughts and, 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 brainstorm, and brainstorm and and actually present our, our suggested recommendations. And then we've been very, very fortunate to have um, a very talented um, a young man, relatively, you know, um, Dr. Soji, Soji Tete, uh, who is the chair of the Center for Social Justice, who is also working with us uh, together with uh, Professor Meishi. Um, in the United States. And part of uh, what we are saying is that um, when these jolts t 
take place, they've been really emphasizing that aspect of that. Uh, beyond um, you know just the market women, how about their families? Uh, are you also uh, you know mindful about the remote factors yes. that, that you know contribute to their success or otherwise in, yes, in the market? Yes, indeed, and we do have one um, a gentleman um, inspector, Kwesi Ofori, and um, his uh, his colleague, who are also emphasizing the fact that. Uh, when these jolts take place and these market women are affected, it's not just them, but uh, their families. Extended. And then, and especially if they, they are the main breadwinner, the, the ripple effect of these jolts on these women uh, into the communities are all very well laid. Uh, so we have one of our, our, our um, members, and I, as I mentioned, the inspector, who would be particularly emphasizing this aspect of the effect on the families and the effect on, on the communities. Okay, so let's, um, of course, uh, leave a final word with our viewers. I'm sure that probably you are open to inviting okay. some more persons to join the network. What message would you want to... So the message you? I have for women yeah. entrepreneurs, women in business market women, is that uh, we rent people's uh, shops to do business in them. But the major or principal jolt I felt, uh, I felt yeah. at the marketplace was litigation right. about my shops. Unfortunately for me, I had three shops housed in the same building. And so when there was litigation on that yeah. shop, it affected everything, everything my business. And then when there was fire, the one I rented the shops from at Kaneshi, maybe didn't have insurance on the property. Mm-hmm. And these are major jokes that we must create the awareness. Mm-hmm. So my plea to other market women and fellow women entrepreneurs is that whenever or wherever we want to rent a place for our businesses, we should ensure that the landlord or landlady has the requisite insurance policy in place for the building, for the building. Yeah. And then we as market women or entrepreneurs must ensure that we also insure the building. Yeah. And then we as market women or entrepreneurs must ensure that we also insure. Yeah. Prof, your final words? Okay. Uh, final words um, is um, this greater need for and, and many more joint primes, uh, Joan Nyame has more.